you have your Bibles, go ahead and be opening to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're spending most of our time tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, trying to keep first things first, even on a, what's become sort of a national holiday uh, type of evening. Um, I understand here in about 20 minutes-ish, the Super Bowl will kick off. So if you see a neighbor checking the score, you may text me their name, and I will call them up for the... No, I'm kidding. I, I, won't, I won't publicly embarrass anybody. But uh, I, I do love, and I, I think I say this most years, uh, I do love that, that we come together to worship before... I, I'm going to go home and watch the Super Bowl. We've got several parties going on tonight, people getting together to watch. I'm sure a lot of us will. Uh, but I love that we still come together to worship. Just my personal uh, thing that I appreciate. Uh, so glad you're here tonight. But it is Super Bowl night, so we're going to use that as our jumping off point uh, for our lesson, which will lead us to 1 Corinthians 15 in just a second. Uh, big night, um, one of the most watched events, probably the most watched television event in America every year, um, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, don't care who you cheer for this year. There's some years I try to tell you who I want you to cheer for and who to pray for and all that stuff. But I, I, I like both teams. Um, here's the way the night always ends. Somebody wins, right? Somebody wins. And, and there's a celebration. And, uh, and somebody loses, and, and that fascinates me too. There's always a lot of, what happened? What could we have done better? Sometimes there's regrets, that sort of thing. Such a high-pressure type of situation. But let's think about the, the people who win for a second. There's going to be speeches. There's going to be trophies. There's going to be hugs and celebrations. And if, as that confetti falls, and that's what I've got, a, that's what I got this picture of here, confetti falling uh, from the sky. As that confetti's coming down and the, the winning team's walking off, if you could ask any of them, if you could ask any of them that question I've got at the top of that slide, were the sacrifices worth it? What do you think they'd say in that moment? <laughs> I imagine every single one of them to a, to a man would say, Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, what, this is what you play for. It's what you sacrifice for. It's what you, it's what you aim for. And now it's, it's all come together. I think a lot of you all know I'm a basketball fan, grew up in a basketball family. My dad a basketball coach. So um, I was watching a thing on, on the NBA and, and some of the championship teams a while back. And, and they were talking, about, talking to one guy in particular who won a lot of NBA championships. And they, they pointed out to him that you know, there was this interview you did after you won, and you just broke down. You know, it was just hard. You couldn't even talk in the interview, and he said, he said, well, in that moment, after you win something like that, he said, you just think about the journey. And I thought that makes sense. That makes sense. That, that you've come to that place where everything you've worked for has, is happening in the moment. It makes sense that you would think about the journey. It makes sense that you would think about, man, I'm, I'm so glad I, I got up early to lift weights. I'm so glad that I, I didn't eat what I wanted to eat because because I was trying to aim for something bigger. I'm so glad that I fought back from injury to, to get back again. It, it makes sense to me that in those moments with the emotion pouring over you, um, that you would think about the journey. I'd imagine every single person who has had that type of accomplishment would say, yeah, the sacrifices were worth it. And sometimes the same is true of, of graduations. Man, I'm thankful that I put in the time and the effort. Sometimes the same is true about getting your dream job. Man, I'm so thankful that I that I sacrificed. Um, some things, you get to that point, and you just say, this was completely worth it. But here's a fear I think a lot of people have, just in life in general. I think one fear that people wrestle with is, what if I commit to something and it doesn't work out? 
Maybe you've had that happen before, where, where an opportunity came before you or, or something uh, you thought about maybe doing, maybe, maybe starting your own business, maybe trying to learn to be good at something else. But, but there was part of you that thought, well, what if I try it and I'm just not good at it? Or, or what if I try it and I fail and everyone sees that I, that I failed? Um, what, what if I commit to it and it disappoints? And I understand that fear because some things disappoint, right? Some, sometimes that happens in life. Sometimes you put yourself into something and it doesn't work out the way you think it will. And, and that can range from the silly to the serious. So let me give you an example of, of, of something silly. Um, Aaron and I met at West Kentucky Youth Camp up in Marion, Kentucky. And uh, one of the things, we were counselors when we met, one of the things that, that they had the counselors do back then, I understand the process a lot better now, but we had one night we were going to have a, a water balloon fight. Everybody was going to get together and throw water balloons at each other and enjoy that. But what you had to do to make that happen, you had to fill up a whole lot of water balloons, like a whole lot of water. And they've gotten smarter now. They got those things that fill up like eight at a time or whatever, you know. So, so somebody was smart and they had the same frustration I had. But what you had to do is step. We spent two days, two days, every spare minute going to this little water tower and turn on a little spigot and waiting for it to fill up the water bottle or the balloon. And then we'd tie it, and half of them would burst when you try to tie it, and then your fingers hurting because you've tied so many. We, we spent two days, and then we'd get through the water balloon fight, and it was fun, but it lasted 30 seconds. <laughs> it lasted 30 seconds, and all the balloons are gone, and yeah, you got some good pictures and all that, but, but I, all, every year I thought, this is not worth it. <laughs> this, this is not worth the time we put it. So sometimes even silly things, you say, it's just not worth it. And, some, and sometimes we're much bigger than that. Um, sometimes people... Get into a job, for example. Maybe some, maybe some of you. Get into a job and you say, I'm, I'm pouring myself into this, but I'm not getting out of this what I, what I hoped I would, whether it's financially or just uh, fulfillment or, or appreciation or feeling. That's what, that's what burnout, we often call burnout. Um, I read a guy several years ago who had written an article on burnout. He'd written a book on it also, but I read his article. And he said, he had this phrase that stuck with me. He said, burnout is not overwork, it's undermeaning. And I hope that makes sense. It's not, like you're, it's not overworking yourself, it's undermeaning. In other words, what, what he went on to explain was, when things are going great, and you're getting out of stuff, what you want to get out of it, he said, you can work yourself all, all day long. He said, it doesn't feel like work, because you're, you feel like you're, you're getting paid properly, or you're getting the right results you want. Like people, people are great with that. But he said, but as soon as people start feeling like, I'm giving 150%, and things are just not doing what I want them to do. He said, that's when you start trending in a burnout-type direction. So I understand this fear. From the silly to the serious, sometimes we commit to something, and it just doesn't give back what we hoped from us putting all, all that we put into it. What about Christianity? I wonder if some people have that fear as they think about Christianity. I wonder how many people think, is the Christian commitment worth it? Like, is this going to be one of those things that I pour myself into and it, and it disappoints? Am I, am I ever going to have that, that moment where I say, hey, this is, this is totally worth it? Or am I going to be disappointed? Because make no mistake, Christianity is a commitment, isn't it? When, when we come to Christ, uh, He gave His life for us, and we in turn lay down our lives for Him. He said that in places like Matthew 16, 24. 
We'll get to 1 Corinthians 15 in just a second. But Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Talk about a hard, a hard commandment in Scripture. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Take up your cross? Jesus, what are you, what are you talking about? Now, at this point, he had not gone to the cross yet, but I think they still understood what he's saying. You come willing to die. You come willing to lay it all down, and He would do that for us. He doesn't ask anything of us that He, that he doesn't do for Himself. And so we lay it all down. It is a commitment. When, when you come to that place of, am I ready to become a Christian? There's a commitment question. There is a, do I know what I'm doing? And all that sort of stuff. There's a teaching thing that goes into it. But that, that repentance command is often a, a, a commitment question. Am I really ready to pour my life into this? Or Luke 14, Jesus says, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on, you remember the analogies he gives. Which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And from that verse and that whole context, we get the idea of counting the cost. Jesus said, count the cost. And in that context, some people came to Jesus Say, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, you're not ready. And he said it because he realized they didn't understand this was a commitment. When we were baptized into Christ, we not only received the blessings of God, we made the biggest life commitment we'll ever make. And I think we'd all agree as Christians here tonight, it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's going to be even more worth it. And that's where I want us to go tonight. So write down, if you're keeping the outline with us, a great chapter that touches on the is it worth it question is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You might know it as the resurrection chapter. And if you remember what's going on in 1 Corinthians, Paul has received a message from the Corinthian church. They've got several issues that are going on in the church, and he starts answering them one by one. And it starts going through through different things. All sorts of different church issues come up in 1 Corinthians Um, the whole book. And here in chapter 15, here's part of the problem. They had people in the church who were saying there would be no resurrection. I don't fully understand why. It may be that they had the same um, intellectual snobbery that we can be guilty of today (laughs) in thinking, oh, you know, we're too smart to believe something like that. Like, we don't really believe in supernatural stuff, right? Well, if you believe there's a God, supernatural stuff is not that crazy to think about. But, but they might have had the same, the same sort of half-culture, half-Christianity stuff that we can be tempted toward today. And so maybe they just thought, you know, I, I, I believe in Jesus. He was amazing. But I don't know if I'd say that we're all going to be raised again at the end of time. That sounds a little crazy. You see that in verse 12. He says, if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? And that's one of the first big things he talks about. If you have it open in front of you, those first four verses in that chapter, really important verses um, for for the gospel in general. He says, "I, I gave you a first importance. There are some things that are first importance. The gospel, he says, Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again. And he starts from there, he says, don't forget that raised again part. If that's the gospel, and you all, some of you are saying there's no resurrection, then what are we doing here? <laughs> because we're, the, the foundation of what we're doing here is Jesus died and rose again. And he goes on to say then, if, if we don't have that promise, 
if, if we don't have the promise that Jesus rose again and, and we also will rise again, then ultimately, ultimately our faith is worthless. Now, I, I don't think he's saying that Christianity won't help you in life. I think it will. In fact, we're going to end tonight with the passage Thomas read right before I got up here where Jesus says that following him, it has benefits for this life and the next one. So I believe the Christian way is the best life even here. But in the end, what Paul is saying, ultimately, like there's a lot of wasted commitment here if there's not really anything at the end of, the end of life. Look at some of the verses here in chapter 15. Verse 16, he says, If the dead are not raised... You know, if God's not really going to raise the dead at the end of time, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. If Jesus was just somebody who died on the cross, we've got a thousand of them. A thousand of them died on the cross. This was somebody different, who was powerful enough to raise from the dead. He didn't die and stay dead. This was God Himself paying the sacrifice for us, for our sins. He says if that didn't happen, if there's no resurrection of the dead then we're, just, we're still in our sins. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've just perished. It's, it's the empty vision of, of atheism. You just die and that's it. Wow, that was worth a whole lot. Just die and there, there's just nothingness. Verse 19, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. <laughs> that's a strong statement, isn't it? You cannot separate the promises of God about eternity from Christianity. You can't separate it. Uh, and, and remember those seven ones in Ephesians chapter 4? Paul says there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. One hope is in there. That's part of it. It's part of, part of it. You can't, you can't pull it out of there. Um, if anybody has any version of Christianity that thinks, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't know about this, this heaven and eternity stuff, that's not Christianity. <laughs> Christianity, Paul says, we're wasting our time. If, if you're just trying to gut those promises out of it. We believe the God who made the world is big enough to make it another one, and He's promised, I'm going to reward my people with that. A few more verses on this one. Paul goes on to say, verse 30, then why are we in danger every hour? If, if no one's raised from the dead at the end of time, why are we in danger? Uh, you know, Paul especially, uh, Christians in all eras have had to face some measure of pushback from the world, sometimes persecution from the world. And Paul sure felt that. Verse 31, I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. By the way, I love that. I love that Paul could, could say, honestly, I'm, I'm pouring myself out for Christ daily. And he was literally risking death every day um, with all that he went through to spread the gospel. And verse 32, if from human motives... I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. What does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. People debate what he's talking about there. Did Paul really fight wild beasts at Ephesus? Like, was he thrown into some, like, Colosseum type thing and he had to fight? I don't know if that's what's going on. He could just be saying there was this, uh, which we know there was uh, in Acts chapter 19, there was this big riot in Ephesus and, and people were angry and they wanted to kill him. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Maybe just means it's a way of referring to that. Um, we're not exactly sure. But he says, I, I went through some really difficult life-risking stuff at Ephesus, but if, if this life is all it's for, what am I doing? If the dead are not raised, let's just eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Quoting there from Isaiah, that's why it's in all caps. Do you, do you hear Paul in 1 Corinthians 15? The resurrection 
is essential. If it's not there, our faith is sort of worthless. And then he promises, he gives us great description here in this chapter. He reminds us, God has promised. The God who has never broken a promise. He has promised that when this life is over, we're going to put on a new body. And I wish I could tell you tonight I've got all that figured out. <laughs> uh, we're going to read what he says. And, and I, I don't know... Uh, I, here's, here's where I'm at on it. As we read it, you can decide for yourself. I don't think he's describing like ghosts floating around, um, but, he's, but he's, not, he's not describing flesh and blood either. We're going to see that. And part of Paul's point in this whole section is God can make different types of bodies. Now, we're going to skip over that section, but he says God can make the sun, he can make the moon, he can make, he can make all sorts of stuff on earth. Like God can make different types of bodies. So if you're worried about what type of body you're going to have, he says God will take care of that. He can make different types of things. Here's, here's what he does say. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. We, we will, if we die before Jesus comes back, we will go into the ground, sown, like, like seeds sown in the ground, a perishable body, one that will over time decay. It will turn back to dust, made from dust like Adam was, and back to dust it goes. It is raised an imperishable body. So whatever we're raised with, it's, it's a type of body that, that does not decay. It doesn't doesn't seem to age. That doesn't seem to to have all the frailties that we're going to have here. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. And we have have our physical bodies that have all sorts of problems and struggles along the way. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. I don't know if if we realize as much as we should just how how weak we are. We are in comparison to the world. But he says it's raised in power. This new body we put on is some sort of powerful body. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body, whatever that means. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. But he goes on in verse 50. He says, now I say this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So whatever our our eternal body is going to be, it's not flesh and blood. It's, it's in some way spiritual, but, but, it's, but it's a body. You know, it, it's, it's, got, it's imperishable. It's got power. And, and, and so in some way, you will still be you and I will still be me. Um, We've got a lot to figure out when that happens, don't we? Uh, but, but God has given us this type of a glimpse into it. He says in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. So not everyone's going to, you know, people will will be alive when Jesus comes. But we will all be changed. We won't all die before Jesus comes, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's just going to happen that fast, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. So whenever that trumpet sounds... And I've told you before, I, I, I picture just, if we're alive when it happens, um, I picture just, you know, just stopping and maybe the, the hair standing up on the back of my neck. Like, good grief, is that, it, it's, this, it's the, the trumpet, like Jesus is coming. And, and he says, when that trumpet sounds, we're going to be changed into that imperishable, eternal body, whatever that's going to look like. And he, but he says in verse 57, that's, that's victory. Whatever, whatever the sacrifices that are made along the way for Christ, whatever the challenges that we face, and we stay faithful through all of them, he says, God gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. 
And the verse I want us to remember from tonight that hopefully pulls together all that we've said so far is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is how Paul ends the chapter. Therefore, we, we had to talk about the chapter to understand the therefore. Therefore, since... What's he saying? Since we're going to be changed into this eternal body, since we're going to have all the blessings of Jesus Christ, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You will not get to the end of time and wonder, was it worth it? Was it worth it? He says, it's not in vain. Don't, don't let that fear hold you back because that's not a problem. God's got that part. You do not have to worry about it. He says, your part is you just keep going. Because it's going to be worth it. In fact, can we read this verse together? Can we just read out loud this verse together? We haven't done that in a while. Uh, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's just a great verse. It, it, it is not in vain. You are not wasting your time. In fact, this isn't the only verse that that says it in the Bible. Let me add two more right next to it. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. Same idea as 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You're not wasting your time. Anything it costs you, it is not wasting your time. He says in verse 6, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And that's just a principle of life, isn't it? Whatever you put your life into, that's what you're going to get out of it. Verse 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And here's what he gets out of that. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You see that same idea? Don't, Don't let yourself... Worry, don't let yourself get pulled down, bogged down in life. You just keep going. You just keep doing good. You will receive the promises of God. And then one more, Romans 8, 18. I love this verse every time. He says, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Not worthy to be compared. What, whatever it costs... Whatever the sacrifice and commitment entails, he says God's eternal blessings are so great, it's not even a comparison. And so I imagine us, I imagine us in that, in that last day um, when Jesus comes and we, we actually see, we actually see with our eyes what that eternal promise is. I imagine this moment of just the emotion just washing over us. Just, just seeing how real it is. Just seeing God knew what He was talking about. Just seeing, seeing people that we've loved and known that have, that have, have passed on from this life. And, and just probably thinking about the journey. Probably thinking about, boy, I'm thankful. I'm thankful somebody told me about Jesus. I'm thankful for the people who poured their lives in to try to encourage me to stay faithful. I'm thankful for the people who, who, who were, were living it alongside me that made me want to keep going. I imagine thinking back on the journey and just being, just being thankful and, and realizing any sacrifice that was made, wow, it was worth it. And I'm so thankful God held me in 
through all the ups and downs. I'm going to give the last word tonight straight from the mouth of Jesus in Luke 18, verses 28 through 30. This passage is right after uh, somebody decided it wasn't worth it. We call him the rich young ruler. Jesus came and he told him to follow him. He said, you need to, you need to set your stuff aside. Sell your stuff. Follow me. And the rich young ruler, he said no. He walked away and he, he just owned so much. He said, I, I just can't do it. Decided it wasn't worth it. And so then Peter says to Jesus, we've left our own homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. And some people had to make those choices back in those days especially. Who will not receive many times as much, notice it, at this time and in the age to come, eternal life. If I hear Jesus right, whatever it costs you, you receive many times back as much here and in eternity. So tonight, let's, let's just be reminded. Let's trust Jesus. He says it's going to be worth it. He says we're going to have that moment of I'm, I'm thankful that I made the commitment. I'm thankful I held the commitment. Let's trust Him and let's follow Him. And we'll see all the blessings of God in this life and the next. Tonight, if you don't have that promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ, uh, please do whatever it takes, whatever steps need to be taken for you to receive that promise. Um, God wants us to have that hope. He, he wants us, Paul was upset. If you undercut that, undercut that Christian hope, wow, you're missing so much of what the faith is all about. We want you to have that hope that Jesus offers us. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, why not let this be the night that you confess you believe Jesus is the Son of God, have your sins washed away in baptism. Or maybe you need to come confessing sin, uh, recommitting yourself to the Lord. Um, there's nothing more important And if we can help you publicly in any way, you're invited to come to the front now while we stand and while we sing.